Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Oof. Getting through that week, huh? Interesting times. I am glued to the news. Also, it's been heartbreaking. Um, my God, watching what's going on with COVID. Uh just seeing a lot of really interesting behavior, often bad behavior, very unethical. Um, people buying fake COVID tests, finding out that they've come in contact with, but not getting tested and taking things on the road. It's, it's a really difficult time. People are having to really look at um, these moral questions and struggle. So uh, definitely seeing that coming in into my world, wondering how you're all doing with that. So um, I don't know, sending love and light, as they say, to healthcare workers and public health professionals. If you're like me, it's exhausting. It's tiring holding that space. How do people deal with those in their life that just aren't taking things seriously or having good ethical boundaries, um, even legalities within that? And then people themselves that are putting, getting put in these interesting predicaments. Um, uh, sorry, it's one of those days where I just don't know where all this goes because I just don't see people taking it serious. Um, I see school districts fighting mask mandates as I continue to watch people that I know uh, get breakthrough infections and struggle and literally lose lives. Yep. Still no people that are losing the you know loved ones to COVID. I don't know what to say, y'all. Y'all know we need to get vaccinated. We all now have the facts. And um, it's like, what do you say to someone who gets infected because they weren't willing to you know, follow protocol and get vaccinated. I'm struggling right now personally to have empathy because it's like, we know what happens. And all you can almost say is like, yes, there it is. That's what happens. I don't know, y'all. I'm struggling with that one today. So let's just push off of that topic, just being a little vulnerable. Um, let's talk about reparenting ourselves. What does that mean? Well, let's see. A lot of the issues that come in my office are a result of parents, right? Not doing work on themselves having children intergenerationally transmitting trauma, and then the kids are struggling. So what is that to say? It's to say two things. If, you know, and I say this on a lot of shows, if you realize you're causing a lot of harm in other people's lives as you're dating and relating to them, please take time away and heal. Uh, don't keep perpetuating problems. Like really realize I, har I harm people. I'm ghosting them. I'm cheating on them. I'm lying to them. Um, whatever it is, take some time and heal. You know, if you're already in the relationship, then do some relational work. But if you're just in the dating phase and you're misusing all of that and treating people poorly and think it's okay because it's just an app or, you know, we haven't, you know, we haven't really connected. No, no, no. It matters. Um, but also parents, you know, please do some healing before you have children. If your marriage is rocky, that means you have some attachment issues. If your marriage is not a healthy, secure relationship, 
that's a sign that you lack what it takes to raise a healthy, secure kid. 100%. That is part of transmitting that and pushing that forward. Um, we can learn about our attachment and relational health based on the health of the relationships that we're currently in. Please don't think that somehow magically you're going to be better than that. If you're not able to pull off your own primary relationship in a healthy, secure way, you are not ready to raise a child. You will instill those issues in the child and the child will take it forward. I'm saying that with a lot of empathy. We are all at the mercy of the generation before. We're all at the mercy of the social world we live in and the norms and values, but we do have to take responsibility for what we're taking forward, which is also a commentary on COVID, but we're going to stay away from that because I just don't have the bandwidth for that topic. Uh, I'm really burnt out on people's responses. Um, but as individuals moving through the relational world, uh, we need to be aware of that. Uh, even people in positions of powers, bosses, CEOs, teachers, uh, people in the criminal injustice system, anyone in any position of power, anyone who has people under them, your work is to be good. Your work is to be better. Your work is to not harm. And I'm seeing these systems get perpetuated because people aren't taking that work seriously. I really wish people did more relational counseling before getting into relationships. I wish people did go into pre-parenting counseling to resolve their attachment issues before parenting. But alas, we don't. Sometimes because we're lazy, sometimes because we're in denial. I get we have to have the ego strength to be able to confront ourselves. Um, and that's why on the show, I'm always trying to talk about the different ways that we can be better for ourselves and for other people. So I wanted to spend some minutes talking about how do we reparent ourselves? right? Well, number one, work on all the relationships you're currently a part of. Social, familial, romantic. We, we heal relational trauma only within relationships. Otherwise, it's just hyper-theoretical. Yes, there's individual work to do, but we are relational. We need to do relational work. We don't need more self-improvement or self-esteem. We need more relational improvement and relational esteem. Everything you say and do shapes and impacts everyone else that you're in connection with in whatever way, shape, or form they're in connection to you. Take responsibility for that. If you need to heal, take some time and do that healing work. When people say, I'm not ready to date, my thought is you shouldn't be friends with anyone either. If you don't have the skill set it takes to pull off a romantic relationship, I'm worried about the impact you're having on friends, coworkers, people you work with, work for. It's the same skill set. It's just amplified with romance. Take any of those relationships to do that relational work, but please do it somewhere with someone somehow. Please. I'm seeing all the damage all over the place, all over my office. Um, that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, we're going to get into a bunch of other stuff, but we're going to spend some time just talking about how do we do that reparenting work on ourselves. In the meantime, though, we also at some point will be uh, gliding into those DMs. So uh, drop some DMs for us. You got questions, concerns. We'll be sliding right back in though. So I drop those in uh, our Love Line IG page in the DMs. And then later in the show, um, we'll be talking hopefully about boundaries if we have time for that. And uh closing out with some more DMs. Past episodes of Loveline, as always, over at wearechannelq.com. So uh, stick around, y'all. We're going to be talking about some good stuff. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we are back. And like I said, we are responsible for the way we are impacting others. And... A lot of that's been things we've inherited or been socialized with. Yes, the systems we're a part of in the world around us impact us. We take that with us. We take that in and our primary relationships. But again, luckily, we have this thing called earned secure attachment, which basically means if we've had a lot of relational damage and trauma, all the relationships we're in after our early parental relationships are either going to heal us, right? or they're gonna further wound and weaken. And that's why we do need to be thoughtful about all the different relationships we choose, socially and otherwise. We wanna be a part of really healthy ones that remind us that that's possible, that show us what that looks like, and that can give us a corrective experience of not only other people and that maybe they are worthy of trust and they are safe, but also a different experience of ourselves as a relational being, right? And so the only way we can do that work, looking to heal the lack of trust or safety around others is by choosing and staying in relationships that are safe. But sometimes we don't choose the healthier ones and then we are reminded, oh, this person harmed me. Everyone is harmful. But that's not true. It's just the people maybe you're choosing or the relationships you're staying in. Um, but backing off of that and really looking at what is the work we have to do for and with ourselves, essentially for ourselves, but also for those we are connecting with and all the different ways we connect with people. Number one, exploring boundaries. Boundary work is such powerful work. It's trauma work because the boundaries we have or don't have are boundaries being too flexible or, or, or boundarylessness or the opposite, our boundaries being too rigid, too hard, too, too impenetrable. That's often a result of the way boundaries have been brought up or not brought up in our life, right? And also the way people have treated us. So the work as a healthy adult is learning how to understand healthy boundaries which are both neither too rigid but also not too flexible. And then the second piece, which I think is left out of the discussion around this also, is that after we set a boundary, we have to hold that boundary, right? Because not, not everyone's gonna honor it. I wish we lived in a world where people said, oh, you set a boundary. Thank you for taking care of yourself. Bummed me out, but I will honor that. Few do that. Most people will push on it, try to climb over it, try to knock it down. You have to hold it. You tell someone you're not available, you tell someone no, you have to then hold that and say, like I said, I'm not talking about this, right? Because the minute you let that boundary get knocked down or someone kind of push through, you're communicating that actually isn't a real boundary. I am available to be connected with or spoken to, even though I said I wasn't, whatever it might be. And part of boundary work is being willing to let people down. Part of boundary work is being willing to deal with someone's negative reactions because what you were protecting with your boundary means more to you. And when we're protecting our, our physical health, but more so our mental health, oftentimes people are going to be nasty. And we have to say to yourself, my mental health means more than whatever I have to deal with from this person. And we're really good at protecting our physical health. 
more so anyway, where someone throws something on you or at you or harms you physically, we feel like it's okay to take care of ourselves, right? We feel like it's okay to protect ourselves from that. But somehow, we don't always do that with emotional and psychological boundaries. We will allow people to talk to us poorly. We will allow people to access us at times, places, or ways that we're not comfortable with. We might not stand up for ourselves when we hear someone talking poorly. We might not call out, hey, that was racist. Hey, that was homophobic. Whatever it might be, we, we tend to be a little more flimsy in our emotional and psychological boundaries. But your mental health has to mean more. And we have to be willing to let people down and deal with people's frustration in service of taking care of ourselves. So again, we're gonna talk about all the different points of essentially reparenting yourself or being better or healthier, but the first one is boundaries. So ask yourself, do I have boundaries? Where might I need to improve them? Are my boundaries too rigid? Am I not accessible? Am I not vulnerable? Am I not emotional? Or are they too loose and flimsy? where I let people take advantage of me. And when I say no, it doesn't really mean no because it has to mean no when you say no. And it's okay to let people down. That's how trust is built. I let people down, I set boundaries and I frustrate them and they stick around. That shows that they're healthy. Healthy people, even if they're bummed out, will stick around and honor a boundary, right? Unhealthy people will make you feel bad for it and they'll try to get you back to boundarylessness. That's a sign this person's toxic, they're unhealthy. I need to move away from them right? So people are allowed to maybe struggle. They might be, it might be new to them to have you set a boundary or to have a boundary set, but we do it anyway. But you want to examine what kind of boundary, where's my work around boundaries? <clears throat> and what are the people and places around which I really struggle to assert them? And then the third question is, why don't I feel like I'm worth taking care of? Because for us to set our boundaries, we have to think that we are worth protecting and taking care of. So it's a self-esteem, act of self-esteem and self-worth as well. And it highlights who's healthy to keep in our lives. I'm, I'm a stickler with boundaries. If I set a boundary or if I say to someone I'm not available or I'm not interested or I tell them no or whatever it is and they ignore me, they're removed from my life. Yes, there's a gray area in space to, to, to see, is it that they don't understand boundaries? Do I need to maybe just assert it a second time? Like, you know, there's some exploration. I'm not as hardlined, but if I see someone repeatedly is violating boundaries, they have to be removed. That's not gonna work for me. I wanna be around healthy people that are like, hey, sorry to hear that, but I appreciate the boundary you're setting. And we have multiple areas where we need to set them, right? But identify, again, are your boundaries too rigid? Are they too flexible, right? Where and with whom might you need to be working on them? Because sometimes it's case by case where we're really great setting with this person, but not with this other person. And then finally, is the work about me thinking I'm worth taking care of? And some of that work in thinking that you are is, again, focusing on only being in relationships of different kinds with people that reflect back that you have worth. Because if we're in unhealthy, toxic relationships with people that put us down, talk poorly of us, treat us poorly, we're not gonna feel as though we have that worth and that we're worth taking care of. Like, it's a, like I said, it's an act of self-esteem, boundary setting and that work. You have to think you're worth it. And again, healthy people will value that. And we have to get more familiar with boundaries being set. You know, telling people, no, I'm sorry, I'm not available. Or I've had a long day, I'll have to reach back out tomorrow. Or no, that doesn't work for me. I know that doesn't feel good for me, you know? Um, all right, let's take a little break and we'll come back. We'll keep breaking down what are the steps to reparenting ourselves. Boundary work is just the first step, the first step of many. But just sit with that. You know, examining that piece. Because for some people, that's, that's a year's worth of work. You know, the work means, when I say to someone, are you doing the work? It means they have an awareness of what they need to work on. And they're always looking at, you know, going through their day with that lens of trying to find those moments, you know, and then doing it. We're not doing it. We learn a lot by what we won't do and what we're resistant to, you know? All right, we're gonna take a little break. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Odyssey. 
All right, we're back and we're breaking on down the important, important, important work that you do for yourself, but also for every single person you're in a relationship with and every single person you literally come in contact with. We have to do the work of raising ourselves the right way, reparenting ourselves, working on earned secure attachment, working on just our mental health, which means working on our relational health. Every time we interact with a person, our mental health is brought up and in. That's our relational health. What, what kind of boundaries do I have or not have is what you're we just talking about. Why do I not think I'm worthy of, of, of setting boundaries? When I set them, do I hold them? Do I let people ram into that boundary that I just set? And when someone's constantly trying to push on it or knock it down, we have to examine, is this someone that should be kept in my life? Or is this someone who's repeatedly violating boundaries? Because people that are repeated boundary violators aren't healthy enough to have in our lives. And that's their work, right? Okay, so what's the second step? Paying attention to our own habits and patterns. Everyone has habits and patterns. What are the constant relational conflicts? Because that's where the work is, right? Like looking at all the different people in your life, writing down family members that you spend a lot of time with, writing down friends that you spend a lot of time with, writing down your primary or secondary partners and saying, and writing out, what are the issues that we tend to get into fights about? And then stepping back and saying, wow, I'm noticing I'm always doing this or I'm not ever doing this, right? Really looking at what are the patterns and habits, learning about you, not them. I have no interest in what they're doing right now. We're learning about ourselves. That's always what a healthy person does first. What can I learn about myself based on what just happened? Even if it wasn't your fault and you didn't do it, you're an adult. Kids do the game fair is fair. You're not a child. Grow up. We're adults. We look at our role and our part and we take responsibility for that. We don't care what other people are doing. We know that our self-esteem and mental health and integrity don't let us off the hook for our poor behavior because of what someone else might have just said or done. It doesn't matter. I tell clients this all the time. I'm watching a videotape of this experience you're telling me about and I'm editing everyone else out and I'm just looking at you and I'm going to hold you accountable what I'm seeing you say and do because it's never excusable for you to act certain ways. That is not an act of mental health or relational health, right? And we'll examine it. We'll talk about it through that lens. Yes, context matters, but I want them to zero in on themselves. I've said this before. I know a couple that I'm working with in marital couples, ther couples therapy is healthy when they come in each week talking about themselves. Dr. Chris, let me let you know what I was really excited and proud of that I was doing this week you know, in reference to our work. Dr. Chris, let me let you know the moments where I let myself down and I was frustrated with myself. Gosh, I really didn't do my work this week and here's what I learned about it. They're talking about themselves. They're aware that everything they do shapes and impacts their partner's feelings, mental health, and behavior. They call themselves out. But when you're always pointing the finger and saying, they did this, they do that, you are still, still not doing the work yet. You're still deflecting, you're still defensive, you're still finger pointing. You have to bring it back to yourself. And that's what the habits and patterns are. Write down all the most important relationships in your life. Write down the people you spend the most time with, colleagues, coworkers, friends, loved ones, sex partners. And then write out, what am I constantly in conflict with them about? What is the behavior or what is the issue, right? What, and then you might even say to yourself, or literally, if they're a safe person, you can ask them, what, what is it like to be in a relationship with me? You can even do active imagination. Imagine if you asked them that question, what might they say it's like to be in a relationship with you? Would they say you're harsh, you need to be softer? Would they say sometimes you're aggressive, but yet you think you're assertive? Would they say you don't have any boundaries? Would they say that you just vomit all over the place and say it like it is and have no care or compassion, right? So that's the work. We have to, as adults, look at our habits and patterns. This is you doing therapy with yourself. If you have the means, get a therapist. My God, 
Everyone should at some point be doing some therapy. But if that's not doable or even while doing it, these are the steps. Number one, as I said, the boundary work. But number two, we're talking about looking at your own patterns and habits. And the way we do that is within relationships. When you're on your own with yourself, that's not meaningful. It's about what, who are you as a relational being? What kind of friend are you? right? Like those are the questions we have to ask. And like I said, I love when couples can sit down and say to each other, what's this past year been like? What's this past week or month been like? What do I need to work on? What do we need to work on? We have to be able to settle in and soften into those questions. That's how we learn about ourselves, right? We're letting everyone around us hold up a mirror so we can see ourselves. We're part of a system. It doesn't matter what someone else is saying or doing. We are responding to, contributing, strengthening, amplifying, keeping the ball in the hair, keeping the ball in the air, or we're not. We're softening, we're apologizing, we're doing the repair. It's important for you to know where your work is. Everyone needs to know what their work is. If I stop you on the street and say, what's your work? You should be able to tell me. And that's clarified by thinking about who you are in all the different relationships and letting it reflect back what you need to do more of or less of. There's, There's no one that is without relationship. We're all coming in contact with people, even if it's the barista at Starbucks. What can you learn from that relationship? What do you do, what do you not do? What do you need to say, what do you don't say? right? Like there's so much work. I love coffee shops because a lot happens where you can practice patience. You can practice boundaries. You can practice self-esteem. You can practice taking care of yourself based on what people say, based on what people do. It's a spiritual practice, but it's also a psychological practice, but it can go both ways. But work on that. Address that. It scares me when people don't know what their work is because then I know you're not doing it. That tells me your work, you're walking around on autopilot, just acting out the same problematic things. You know, so we're going to take a break, sit with that. We're going to come back and talk about some of the more, some of the other points that we need to be thinking about considering to grow ourselves up, to mature, right? To do earn secure attachment, to reparent, to deal with our, you know, um, inner child work. Like it's all the same stuff. It's trauma work, but we deal with it in real time in our current relationships. Stick around. We'll talk more about it. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs are always brought to you by our uh, Loveline IG page. So if you got a question or a topic, drop it in there. We got answers for you. Oh, let's see what you got. Hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Vivian, and my best friend from high school asked me to be her maid of honor. That's sweet. I've tried to set boundaries with her, but she keeps pushing the lines. God, I would love to know what those boundaries are. Uh, I know it's her big day, and this is a huge responsibility, but I need my space. (laughs) I almost feel like this is going to ruin our friendship. How can I respectfully tell her that we need to take a break before it ruins her day? So I don't know exactly what that means, take a break (laughs) or space. Um, So... Uh, I'm going to kind of make it a larger discussion because, yeah, I don't know what that means, taking a break or taking space so that doesn't ruin her day. I'm going to assume that um, she is excited about her wedding and most of us are socialized to believe that it is the most important thing when it's one of many important things in our lives. And I think people lose the they lose connection to the purpose of weddings, just like birthdays and other events. It's supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be this thing that you do that makes you miserable. You don't have to do it, but you choose to do it. You choose to do it because it's supposed to be fun and a celebration. Focus on that. Am I having fun? Are other people having fun in relationship to this? Is my bridesmaid feeling good and happy about being a part of this? Or am I being a power-hungry, nasty person? Because I don't care what it is. 
it doesn't give you the right to put it before other people and the relationships you have with them. If you're willing to burn down a friendship because you're being obnoxious or controlling over your wedding, you're not being a good person. That friend still deserves respect. I don't care if it's your wedding. It's still a person and their needs are still important. We don't give up our humanity or our needs because it's your birthday, your wedding, or your recital, right? We have to have a relational model. So I want us to, to do a little self a little introspection. Are we making people's lives harder? Are we losing sight of what these events are supposed to be, fun and celebration? We need to let go and lighten up a little bit. You know what I mean? It's but a bleep in the screen. It's a moment in time. And it's okay to lovingly as her bridesmaid reminder that, hey, this isn't feeling fun anymore. This isn't feeling good. Like, let's get back to fun. But bridesmaid who wrote the question, you're allowed to have boundaries. You're allowed to say, listen, I, I have a lot of other things on my plate. I'm happy to be a part of this, but I can't get a daily email or I can't get emails every five seconds. My life is still in motion. My life is still my priority. I know your wedding's your priority and I, and I empathize with that because I'm your friend, but your priority isn't mine. My life still has to come first. So chill. And I know you can't say that like that. So you have to be loving and say, hey, listen, I'm feeling very overwhelmed. I'm so excited for you. And I'm so complimented that you asked me to be bridesmaid. And I want to do that. Let's make sure this is still fun. And use words like, this isn't feeling good right now. And you can say things like, I have other things I have to focus on. Maybe every weekend, send me a weekend email with all the things you were thinking or needing. But just because it's your wedding doesn't mean you have a right to interrupt other people's days all day long with what your needs and concerns are. It doesn't. It's a wedding. It's a party. Chill. Seriously, reconnect with the fact that's supposed to be fun and celebratory. We're not supposed to make people's lives miserable and ruin friendships over it. It's a party, chill. And I want people to advocate for that with whatever we're talking about, even with your job. Hey, I have a life as well, other things. Like boundaries, everyone needs to learn boundaries. Just because we have text message and emails doesn't mean people should be readily available. Remember we, all we have was a landline? Some of you might not, might not remember that. All we used to have was a landline and people would apologize for reaching out to you after dinner time. Because they knew that that was your time with your family. Now we will send texts and have requests at all hours of the day. That's not okay with for anyone. And in the bad in the old days when we had a landline, if someone was actively on it, you couldn't even get through. People would take the phone off the hook at dinner time to not be disturbed, and sometimes leave it off for the rest of the night. And life moved on fine somehow. You know what I mean? So set boundaries. Reflect back to her what it's like to be dealt with right now, and remind her. What, what should be centered and prioritized? You know, there's a lot of work for all of us around that. So thank you for that question. As I said, the DMs come in on our Loveline IG page. Got a question, got a topic, drop them in there. Past episodes are over at wearechannelq.com. Coming up next, we're gonna keep talking about reparenting, how to grow ourselves up, how to be better, because that's the work. What do I need to do, right? It's not other people, we're looking at ourselves. And that question was a good example. Look at what role you're playing in other people's lives. Are you harming them? Are you making their life harder? Be better. All right, stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back. And uh, basically, I'm putting you all in check. Uh, the most important work we can do as human beings is work on ourselves, right? And we work on ourselves by doing relational work. And it's also the most beautiful meaningful gift you can give those around you, right? So again, I'm trying to just ground you in why this is so important. And how we come to be the way we are is a lot of factors. Um, I believe a lot in socialization. You know, we have genotype and phenotype, which means, you know, your, your genetics don't promise or necessarily determine. It's the environments in which you are placed 
that impact the expression of certain genes and traits and how they will be expressed, right? Rough example, you might have the genes to be a piano prodigy. Well, if you are never placed in front of a piano for multitude of reasons, you'll never know about that. That will never be expressed. And also, what is the environment like around you maybe while placed in front of a piano and given lessons? Is it supportive or is it shaming and toxic that will also back you off of or get in the way of its true expression? So it's never as simple as that's just how I'm built. It's bigger than that. And the environment you're in really, really, really matter. And that's what we're trying to pay attention to. And that's what we have to have responsibility for. There's too much violence going on in the world um, interpersonally right? So we're talking about the different ways that we as adults do our work. And I use that word a lot. Like that's the work. What is the work? What's your work? And that's this global characterological personality exploration of looking at how we move through the world and how we impact those around us. So first I was saying that reparenting ourselves, working on our inner child, doing trauma work, working on secure attachment, however you want to frame it. It's, it's just, these are all just different terms that speak to the same process. And I was saying that the first step is boundary work. Go back, re-listen to the show. We talked about that in an earlier segment. Go to wearechannelq.com. The shows are there, tonight's show as well. And then we were talking about the fact that we have to look at our own patterns. And if you're not willing to do this work, ask yourself why. Start there. Is it because I don't have good work-life balance and I don't actually have time to do work on myself? Because I'll tell you, I see a lot of people say that, but I notice that they're at the gym three to five days a week So we got the time to work on our physical self. What about working on our psychological, emotional self? You know, the part that actually matters because you don't need a gym body and your relationships aren't improved by you having rock hard abs. The psychological, emotional work should come first. Are you journaling? Are you reading things that are rooted in learning about yourself in the work? Are you examining your patterns and habits, right? Are you in therapy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We got the gym time down. I get it. We're getting to, we're getting our manicures done right? We're put in long hours, but where, where are you? Where are your relationships? None of that is meaningful. That's structural stuff. Don't let it be enough to say, well, I provide a home for my family. Awesome. That's great. Truly. But what happens inside of that home matters more. That's where our mental health lives. Once our basic needs are met, we got food, shelter, and clothing. It's all about the psychological focus on that. I heard someone say something like, well, I'm honoring my part of my commitment of being a parent or one's partner. Look at all the things I do. And I said, great. But where you're not maintaining your commitment is around the emotional, psychological pieces. You have, you're doing no work on that. Awesome that you're providing finances. Cool. But that, that is not quality of life and mental health. What kind of partner or person are you within that home or while on that dinner that you're providing? That matters more not the structural stuff. So again, boundary work, working on looking at our own patterns. That's why I love, you know, I love a lot of elements of the 12 steps. And one of them is the fourth step, which is examining our character defects. Who am I? Who do I harm? Who have I harmed? What can I learn about myself through looking at that? We was talking about that in an earlier segment, really mapping out all the different people that you spend the most time with and saying, what is our conflict and our issues constantly centering around? That is my work. And if you're constantly deflecting and saying, well, they did this and they did that, well, then you're missing the whole point. And you're basically saying you're good as you are and no one is, and you got no work to do. And that makes you a dangerous person for people to have in their life. I can tell you what I need to work on as a person. I can tell you what I'm working on so as to make my presence in all the different people's lives that I'm in better, not harder. I look back at my past relationships to learn about myself. How was I a crap friend? How was I a really crappy partner? How am I a crappy brother? Are there patterns in that? 
This is difficult work. It's ego work. It's an ego test. Don't get, don't let that get in the way. Don't deflect that. Don't go into denial about that. Don't blame. Don't finger point. Own where you're at and what you do. Everything you do shapes and impacts other people, their lives, the quality of their life, your children, your friends. So again, boundary work patterns. What else? Well, we have to look at the stories we tell about ourselves and the stories people tell about us. Narrative work, looking at the narratives. What storyline? Again, this is, I'm giving you a lot of prompts for journaling, for active imagination, which is when we work things through, we imagine them, we play them out. Things for you to do in therapy, talk with your partners, meditate on. But what narrative do you have on self, other, in the world? Are you living in a world where you believe, where you see, where you think that certain things are and certain things aren't? Ask yourself, what's your narrative? That the world is safe, the world is good? Is the narrative, no one cares about me, no one loves me? Really pin down what core narrative you are operating from. Because we tend to have one with a negativity bias. Our brains have a negativity bias. Our brains will log, register, and hold on to negative events very quickly and easily. Positive events have to be held for up to sometimes 15 to 30 seconds to really log and register. Why? Our brain has a protective capacity first. So it needs to have really quick, quick assessments of what's around us. We got to take a break. We're going to come back and keep talking about this. So uh, definitely stick around. Lady Gaga's Jazz and Piano Las Vegas Residency returns to Park MGM October 14th through the 31st. Go to wearechannelq.com for your chance to win two tickets, a hotel stay at Park MGM, round trip airfare for two, plus $500 in spending money. Tickets are on sale now at ticketmaster.com. Don't miss Lady Gaga's jazz and piano residency shows, Las Vegas. We'll be right back with more Loveline. All right, we're back and we're doing the uh, very mature, difficult work of examining ourselves. And before the break, we were just talking about how our brain has a negativity bias. That's a built-in evolutionary protective mechanism. It needs to, our amygdala, make really quick assessments of danger or not in the world, right? So that's our rapid fire assessment system, danger or safety. Then if we take a second, our executive function comes online, which can really unpack it further and make more meaning out of it. And we're always up against that, but we also have this internal schema, this internal working narrative of the world and others and ourselves. What is your narrative? I know it's a very vague entry point, but that's the bigger question. Like what narrative do you have? And what's holding that in place? Is that real? It's called self-talk. It's called reality testing. You know, I'm collapsing a lot of really big concepts into like small forms, so they're bite-sized. So yes, there's more to it than this, but what narrative are you moving through the world with? And are you actively challenging that? Again, 12-step reference. I don't know why it's on my mind, maybe because of earlier clinical work. The program will sometimes say, take contrary action, you know, or journal or bounce it off of someone. I love that. But more importantly, again, ask yourself, what's the narrative I have on the world and what am I doing to keep that in place? What am I doing to challenge that? Is it effective or is it ineffective? Is it pro-relationship or anti-relationship? Is it good for me or bad for me? And really dismantling that because we all have a working narrative about the world and ourselves, right? Also, then we move on to the other piece of work, which is examining so as to be able to have control over and heal our triggers. We talk about that a lot on the show. Because often we make other people responsible for our triggers by saying, but they triggered me as though the issue is the, and you know, the, um, the, uh, stimulus, not us and our response. When you're made upset or triggered, you are learning about yourself. You're learning where your wounds are, which means you're learning where healing needs to happen, which means you're realizing what your work is. 
So that's another exploratory process. What are my triggers? What are the things that tend to upset me and make me angry? I need to work on not being disrupted or distressed around those things. Yes, if we have a loving partner and we're in a, a secure relationship with a primary partner, primary attachment figure as we say, then we do want them to take some responsibility for that. And what I mean by that is if we love someone, we wanna know what upsets them. And we wanna lovingly try to not walk them into distress. But we also have to be aware of our own triggers so that we're not walking around with, with an open wound, completely sensitive, being unsafe. Because people that are constantly easily upset are not safe to be around or be in relationship with. No one feels safe having a friend, a colleague, or a husband or wife that they feel like they're always walking on eggshells with because that person is completely unwilling or unaware of what their work is or doing their work on mental health. And they're just always upset, unaware of their triggers, always erupting, and you're walking on eggshells. That's a form of emotional abuse. They're not inherently attempting to do that, but that system is an emotionally abusive system and it needs resolve. And we need to lovingly say, I'm responsible for what upsets me. But yes, I want to be in a safe enough relationship where my partner is aware of what that is and is also trying to help me not be stepped, you know, brought, walked into that, I guess. We have to know each other's owner manual, owner's manual. We have to know what the secret special sauce is to us getting along. And we're both a collaborative partner in that. If, if you're saying, if you're saying I, don't, I don't want to be a part of or help my partner heal, then you're a crappy partner. Where's the love? Where's the care? Where's the actual commitment? The emotional, psychological commitment is the actual and more important commitment. Long-term happy relationships aren't rooted in structural commitment. Bills are paid, there's a house, there's food on the table. That does not a long-term happy relationship make. It's the emotional, psychological commitment or lack thereof which matters. You say you're my partner, well that means I have to trust that you're committed to being on my team and to helping me. Co-regulation is, help, is, hel is healthy. We should lean on and rely on people. We are not in it on our own. We are not just responsible for ourselves. We are not in our own boat. We are both in the boat and if I am not able to row, I have to trust and hope that you'll row harder or maybe grab both oars. That's called partnership. We're in it together. You care. It's mutually beneficial. If these words don't ring true, there's work to do. And if you don't want to be a part of what I just said, you don't want a secure or healthy, safe relationship. Right? But again, we have to know our triggers. Those are for us to learn about our wounding. A mirror is being held up for us to learn about ourselves. And some people have far too many triggers. And maybe you do need a pause for being in relationships. But again, if you're not healthy enough to date, you're not healthy enough to have friends. It's very possible. Trust me, romantic relationships bring up more, harder, faster. Romantic relationships and the work in them bring a lot of people to their knees. But there is a part of that where why are you willing to not work on yourself for your friends, but only for romantic partners? If you're not healthy enough to date, some of those lack of health is going to show up in your other relationships. Why do, why are they not important? Why is it not matter in those contexts? It needs to. So it's global work. All of our relationships are places where we can practice this and learn about this. And so that's why we might not be in a romantic relationship, but we still have relationships. Use those as places to practice and work on and learn about yourself. What are my conflicts? What sets me off? That is for me to learn about. I can't expect the world to never trigger me. I have to work on lessening, watering them down, right? That's, that's called being an adult. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're not an adult. And if you're not willing to do this work, well, then you're not safe to, to be brought into people's life. And I have to, this is what we do in couples and individual therapy sometimes is, is do these assignments. I'll say to someone, what are your trigger points? People that have worked with me for a long period of time will start to be able to identify that. They'll tell you what their trigger points are. They'll tell you what their work is because they have an awareness. And if you don't have an awareness, then you're not doing any work. And then you're just moving through the world, most likely creating damage over and over. 
You know, it's like there are patterns and habits and we can learn from them. That's why I love people doing the work of looking at their past relationships. Who was I that I want to be again? And who was I that I don't want to be again? But we can look at that in our current relationships. What kind of friend am I? Where's my work as a friend, right? That's most likely going to be very parallel or directly comparable to the work we have to do with our romantic partners. But that's the beauty, right? It brings all that up. All right, we're gonna take a little break and we're gonna kind of finish this out and then we'll be sliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Any question you got, any topics you want us to hit, love to hear from you. We'll drop that, uh, deep into them because y'all love putting them in my private DMs, but you gotta put them in the IG DMs. They'll get covered. And uh, past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my name in the show, click on it. There they are. You can binge, post, share. Really good stuff. It kind of reinforces. We need that repetition because nowhere else in the world are we often hearing these things. So stick around. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Live with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back and we're just finishing up this discussion on trauma work, reparenting ourselves, working on our inner child, doing secure attachment, being a better relational partner, mental health work. It's all the same. It's all different metaphors and concepts leading us in the same direction of saying, what's my work, right? Because again, it's not just our genes. It's, it's also all the environments we're in and we have the ability to stop intergenerationally or culturally transmitting and pushing forward a lot of these problematic behaviors and norms. We can stop it in its tracks by being better, working on, you know, holding those in our lives accountable to being better, we, right? Like we can, we can slow this stuff down, but a lot of people aren't really aware of what the work is, what they need to work on, and that's part of the problem. And the relationships we have now and the relationships we've had before are the best place to learn where our work is. What has upset you, right? What set you off? What has been most difficult? What are our conflicts traditionally centered around. That's your work. That's your work. Do it, right? It's boundary work. We talked about that earlier, setting boundaries, right? It's also about looking at your patterns and habits. It's looking at what narrative do you have on the world, self and others, and and trying to challenge that, right? Uncovering and dealing through triggers. And finally, like examining your, your values, your ethics, and your integrity. Integrity work, depending on whatever word you're most comfortable with, integrity, ethics, value system, self-esteem, collapse it all down. But you have to know what your values are. What's your mission statement? I've given that assignment to people in my, in my clinical practice. What's your mission statement? We all need to have one. Like, what's your purpose here? What's your life about? What's it rooted in? What are your values? A lot of people have no idea. We need to know what our values are. I know what mine are, and I know what they're rooted in. I know what philosophies they're rooted in, and I examine them, and I work with them, and when in doubt, I turn to them because they're my barometer. They're my compass for decision-making. Everything I do is always mental health centered and doesn't cause harm. Everything I do is about healing, transformation, and liberation. My values are rooted in feminism. No violence of any kind, not towards people, also not towards animals. I will not participate in harm. That's why I'm vegan, right? I won't be participant in systems that are not mental health centered. I won't deal with things that talk about counting calories and weight loss. It's body negative. I won't talk about things that are sex negative and the list goes on, but it's all centered around my core mission statement. What's your mission statement? Take some time and work on that. It's a great thing to do with friends, family members, or a partner. What's our mission statements? What do we want our lives to be rooted in? How do we make decisions? What's our barometer? What's our metric? For some people, it's religion. Others, it's spirituality. Eastern psychology, Eastern spirituality, Eastern philosophy has been really powerful for me because American values are rooted in consumerism, what we buy, what we spend, money, looking out for yourself. That's horrible. That's not mental health. That's not relational health. So I had to go to another culture to find these really beautiful values of cooperation, looking out for others, collective responsibility, accountability, 
nonviolence, never saying or doing things that harm people. In fact, trying to be in the opposite place, trying to heal, right? So that's the final assignment I give to you all, looking at everything else we just talked about in the earlier segments, but also write out your mission statement. Who are you? What matters to you? What, what's your belief system rooted in? For some people, again, it's about politics, right? Other people, it's gonna be about social movements, like maybe feminism. And others, it's gonna maybe be spiritually based. But come up with these answers, because sometimes the work that comes into my practice is that people don't know who they are, they don't have a decision-making matrix, they don't know what they wanna prioritize, and, and that fouls us up. But if we have something to hold on to, something to run our thoughts, our decisions, our options through can guide us. Like, what are you guided by? Because you're guided by something. And if you don't know, it's probably the norms around us, which is about getting a gym body, making as much money as possible, um, looking out for yourself and not worrying about other people, just keeping your side of the clean, you know, street clean. That's a, none of that's healthy. None of that's what life is about. And as we've talked about in the show, none of that is actually what leads to happiness. Those are things that give small bursts of joy very quickly. And then it runs out, it keeps us trapped. That's what keeps us on that hamster. We've always buying the newest, the latest. No, happiness is contentment. Just letting go and being with what we have, finding the value in that gratitude for what's already here, working on changing what you can, letting go of what you can't. But we all need, we all need that. For some people, again, it's a spiritual practice. Other people, it's a 12-step program. For some people, it's social politics. You know, for others, it's, you know, spirituality. For others, it's ethics. But know what yours are. What's your mission statement? And it's interesting, we look back at our life to say, has my life been aligned with anything? Even if it's nothing we're proud of, that can be motivating, right? Like, what have we centered? Look at your past week. What has been, based on the past week, what's been shown to be most important to you? What have you put all your time and effort into? And is that something that's reasonable? Looking back at that, how do you feel about that answer? When I look back at my past week, I feel really good about what I've spent my time and energy on. It's aligned with my values. And, it, and I prioritize what, I, what is a priority in me. But if you're saying to me, well, I prioritize the wrong things or things I'm not proud of or not what I want to be prioritizing, change that. We can't be happier living a life of mental health if we're living a life outside of our values, outside of our mission statement, outside of our spiritual practices or our ethics. It's not possible. Our self-esteem doesn't ever let us off the hook. It's always watching. It's always tracking, whether you're conscious of it or unconscious of it. And that's a great thing. We just don't want to use it against us. We can use it to inform, to educate, to inspire, to motivate. So do that. Work on these different pieces. These are really good prompts for journaling. Like I said, active imagination, to bring into your own therapy, to take on a picnic with someone you care about, to build intimacy, to learn about each other, you know? Um, all right, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to slide into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And as always, past episodes, we are channelq.com. Stick around, y'all. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medela, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Right, we're back. Now it's time to slide back into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one, a little bit long, so hang in there with me. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, my name is Eric. I've been an open gay man since I was 12, so about 13 years. The guy I'm talking to right now is also 25, but he's not fully out yet. Yep, a lot of people aren't. Not everyone's living in a safe conditions where they can openly be gay. Not everyone's maybe resolved and done that work. We live in a homophobic culture. So it takes a lot of courage still to come out as gay, knowing that some people will make assumptions about you. You know what I mean? It's not safe for everyone and it's not right for everyone to be open depending on their situation. You know, we have to honor that. Um, Basically though, your question said, he's told me that his parents know he's gay, but he's never brought anyone home for them to meet. Okay. He said that only a few of his friends know and the ones that uh, don't try to set them up with girls all the time. Yep, that's what friends do. It's actually what good friends do. So I kind of applaud them. They're like, hey, we want to hook them up. Uh, he said he goes out on these dates because he doesn't want to make his friends feel bad about it. Okay, that's a little strange. Your friends are going to be that let down about you saying I'm not interested in the people you're trying to set me up with. It's definitely some work in that. Uh, you say, I'm not pushing him to come out before he needs to. Good. But in order for us to continue to date, I do think his friends need to respect him and not set up him with female dates. Okay, that's what you think. I'm not sure what he thinks. I'm not sure what he needs, you know, but I appreciate that you're saying that's what you need to feel comfortable. Um, Maybe you need to be uncomfortable right now. That's what you need. But what about what he needs? Because this is actually about him. You don't like the idea that that's happening. Cool. Calm down, regulate. You know what I mean? You entered his life. This is what his life looks like right now. We can't enter someone's life and try to make all these demands and decisions so that we're comfortable. That's not how it works. You need to accept him as he is. This is where he's at. And if you can't be where he's at and on his journey, then you're not a safe partner to be with. I don't know that you can just make that demand. What if his friends are homophobic? What if he has longstanding relationships with them and he has to figure out and grieve the loss of maybe losing them? I don't know what kind of role models he has that are gay. I don't know how his family's responded. Just because you've been out since you were 12 or 13, which means 13 years of doing that work and enhancing that confidence, he hasn't. And so you can't expect him to be in a few months or a few years where you, what took you 13. So you need a little more compassion because it isn't harming you directly at all, actually. When he's with you, he's with you. And when he's not, doesn't matter. I appreciate the idea that you're like, yeah, but he's on a date with someone else. Okay, it's a girl. Nothing's going to happen. But bigger than that, like, worry about his mental health. He's not ready. 
obviously, you know what I mean? And some people, it's a journey of years. Some people, it takes years for them to come out to everyone because we go at our pace, right? We go at our pace, not the pace, not your pace. That's rooted in your inability to tolerate your discomfort. Like you have to toughen up around that. Um, you did say, uh, I do think his friends need to respect him. Great. Okay. I don't think they're disrespecting him though. They're operating off of the information they have. There's nothing disrespectful in that. Um, and not some of the female dates. Okay. Again, not disrespect, but I do think he should maybe say to them, I'm not interested because I, what I care most about is these poor women. What the issue really is, is are these poor women going on a date with someone that they think maybe is available and they're being vulnerable and they're taking their time and energy and that's not what's available. And so that's where I feel the worst. That's the people who are being harmed. These poor women that are getting already showing up and excited about a date and being misled and lied to. That's the core issue because no one else is harmed in this, right? If he's got the time, but I do think he should maybe back off of that out of care for these women. Uh, and you said he needs to draw that line as well. Is that me still asking too much? Yeah. I don't understand what your stake is in that. Again, I appreciate the idea that no one wants to think of their partner on a date with someone, but he's gay, so it doesn't matter. So how does it harm you? It doesn't. You're just uncomfortable. You want him to be further along than he is. You want him to be where you are. He's not. But I appreciate you saying, this is hard for me. This is uncomfortable for me. Can we talk about that? Can we consider that? I appreciate you saying, you know, those women don't deserve to be dragged around through this. This is your stuff. And I do appreciate you saying like, hey, do you have a sense of what your plans are about coming out to them, if at all? Because if he says, I'm never coming out to them, that's his right. And you have to figure out what you want to do around that. So there's a lot of work in there for you, I think. Um, thanks for that question though. I appreciate it. Great vulnerability. All right, y'all, that is our show. DMs, drop in the DMs on our Loveline and G page. We are channelq.com is where all the shows live. So uh, spend the rest of your night focused on self-care, right? Tons of joy and pleasure. Rest as much as possible. Be kind to yourself and those around you. Look, life is tough right now. We don't want to make people's lives harder by us being in them, as per that example. You know what I mean? All right, y'all. Thanks for hanging out. And you enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.